Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We will not be meeting next week. I'm taking the week off. Just telling you that now. So we'll resume, God willing, in two weeks. And I think today we're going to finish up some of the halachic passages on procedures during the first part of the Amidah. Okay? Well, the Amidah as a whole, but it's not about uh, bowing and, and steps and stuff like that. Again, from safaria.org. Anyone can find this online. Um, so I, I realize that we're, we're recording, we're not video recording for people who are listening uh, to this later. You go to safaria.org, look under Halacha, Shulchan Aruch, Orach Chaim, chapter 93. That's where we are. And we have Hebrew and English here. Kodem Shit Palel Tzarich Lishhot, or Lishahot. Before you daven the Amida, you have to pause. Now, this is based on a Mishnah, I think, which goes back to times when, again, um, the Shema and the Amidah might not have been coupled together in a public service in the same way that we do it. All right. Yishaheh sha'a achat kodem shi'akum lahit palel. A person should wait an hour before you daven, which means you should um, focus yourself to be in a prayerful state of mind. So that, and this takes an hour to get ready before the Amidah. So that you can have full kavana for God. And you should wait an hour after you say the Amida. So that it will not appear to you that your davening is a burden. In other words, uh, I davened and then I rushed off. Like you're quick to leave. You're rushing home from shul, which of course is what we all do. So it's interesting that the Shulchan Aruch states this. It comes from rabbinic sources. It's of course not really possible for the vast majority of us. So I think we might see this, um, even though it's interesting, no one, the, the Ramad doesn't, the Ashkenazi authority doesn't make any comment on it. You would think he would say like, Oh, and if people don't have the time to do this, at least they should focus for four seconds um, mm-hmm. or do something to have Kavanah. But he doesn't even say that. So there's no comment to get us off the hook. Um, so I would call this, this is a pious ideal, which is meant to embody the idea that you need to have Kavanah when you are saying the Amidah. And it's acknowledgement that it takes time to, you, you, you can't have Kavanah like that. So what did they do for an hour before they started their Amidah back in ancient times? It's, it's, they're called the, um, the Hasidim Rishonim, the original, the old, the pious people of olden times used to wait for a whole hour. Yeah, it's interesting that um, even in rabbinic sources, this is not given as the norm. It's given as a pious ideal. And it's interesting that the Shulchan Aruch um, chose to state it as a halachic norm, even though obviously, even in the Shulchan Aruch's time, I'm sure that virtually no one was able to do this or did this. So it's stating as an ideal that 
Davening, the Amida, your audience before God, is serious business. It requires Kavanah. We don't expect that you could have Kavanah instantly, of course. And so you take an hour to meditate or whatever it is that you do to get yourself in the mood. Any comment on that? Does anyone want to say, what the heck are they talking about? Who can do that? Who can spend an hour before the Amida focusing? So again, the, I think it is Pasuke de Zimra a, a compromise in that fashion that we know nope. de Zimra to uh, well prepare? you might make up you might make up that answer as the answer. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't think that's the original intent. Lo yamod in paragraph two. You should only stand up to say the Amida in a state of mind of awe and submission, not lightheadedness, joking idle chatter, anger, but only for uh, feeling joyful, reading positive, having maybe if you read positive things from the Torah, that's why uh, this is then the reason why it's okay to do it the way we do it, the way we do it, because we read about Geulat Mitzrayim, the, the exodus from Egypt, and that makes us happy. God is the redeemer, set us free, brought us out of Egypt. So that's an example of Simcha Shel Torah, right? It's joy, but it's not like because someone told me a funny joke, all right? Um, or after Tilali David, meaning Ashrei, okay? Because it ends, Ratzon Shomer Hashem God takes care of all God's faithfuls. So that's an example of contemplating an idea like that is an example of Simcha Shel Torah. So again, you shouldn't get up to Dav and you shouldn't start your Amida when you are preoccupied, angry, uh, um, distracted by negative, uh, we'd call it negative thoughts, negative emotions, which includes, surprisingly, if you're sitting on a bait din, okay, you don't get up and say the Amida right away, or if you're studying halacha, you don't get up and say the Amida right away, right away, why? I'm in paragraph three so that you not be preoccupied by it. Only if you f- know the answer of the halacha, meaning if you're in the middle of studying your daf yomi or something, and the congregation starts davening, you're going to be preoccupied by what you were um, thinking about. You're going to be thinking about, wait, what did he say? What does this mean? If you're reading a book, you're going to be thinking about, what was that conversation about? Um, and, and again, this is seen as these are the kinds of things that will interfere f- for your kavana for the Amida, right? So the whole point of all these things is you need to have kavana when you start the Amida, the sorts of things that would be distracting from kavana. You shouldn't be doing them right away and you should give yourself an amount of time to focus and concentrate. Um, most people don't practice that last part. Some people do. So if you watch some people say they're Amidah, they'll stand with their feet together for a while before they actually bow and start. They're doing kind of something to focus their kavana. In English, I guess we would call that meditating, but I don't think that's exactly corresponds to what people do to get their kavana ready. For those who are following at home and don't are not seeing my screen, to chapter 94, again, in safari.org, halacha, shulchan aruch, orachayim, now chapter 94. I, I, I do have a comment or a go question. Ahead, yeah, remember. Just, just to let you know, speaking. we're here. 
Okay, my, Meyer and I are here. Okay. All right. Well, there, no, but there, there are people who listen to the recording afterwards who can't see it. That's all. So I'm telling them where to go look online. Ilana. Right. That's why I said who it was. Um, so um, if, um, is it worse to dive in the Amida if you have um, preoccupations, if you, um, uh, you know, have distracting thoughts, if you have negative thoughts? Is it worse to do it that way than not at all? The answer would be no. My halachic answer would be no. It is not worse. It is preferable to not skip davening, but the halacha is saying you should try to take some time to clear yeah. your mind in whatever way you do that. Um, obviously, if you have problems, if someone is ill, if you have problems in your life, if you have problems in your family, if you, you know, there are all sorts of uh, worries that we have, but it's saying, you know what? You, the goal is to try to, engage in this experience with full kavanah. And so you need to take time. You may need to take time to, I'm going to say, cleanse your mind to be in a, in the right state to do that. That's the ideal. Ilana doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't mean, doesn't mean that if you don't achieve that perfectly, you don't daven. Okay. So that's, Good. Yeah, good. Okay, you can go on now. You can go on with your life now. Understood. Thank you. Okay. Um, it's almost a quarter of, we'll go about another five minutes. I do want to finish up the halacha stuff. Okay, some things we're familiar with, chapter 94. Um, when you are in, uh, where do you face? When you are in the diaspora, you face Eretz Israel, and you have your mind, v'yechavein, okay? Focus on Jerusalem, the temple, the Holy of Holies. When you are in Eretz Israel, you face Jerusalem and have the same intent for the temple and the Holy of Holies. When you're in Jerusalem, you turn to face the temple and have your intent for the Holy of Holies. Um, and by the way, all of this is... Um, anyone know what this is based on in the Bible? Anyone know who was the first person who faced Jerusalem to pray? Hmm. Daniel is the answer. If you look at the book of Daniel, Daniel was in exile in Babylonia. Uh, He's also the first time where it's actually explicitly mentioned praying three times a day. It said three times a day, he would stand at his open window facing Jerusalem and pray. Daniel. Okay. Um, By the way, and this happens in Shul, paragraph two, which doesn't have an English translation, so I'm going to read it slowly. If you are davening, facing in a different direction. What if your shul is built so that the ark is not facing towards Jerusalem, as many shuls are? So if you are davening in general, facing another direction, you should turn yourself to, to face Eretz Israel. Okay? Um, meaning you turn your body to face when you say the Amida, no matter which way the ark is in your shul, no matter which way your shul is arranged. Paragraph three, I love this. To answer, to, it anticipates what Ilana might ask in a moment. If you don't know which direction is which, you're just out somewhere 
You don't have a compass. You're in an unfamiliar area. You have no idea which way is east. You just direct your heart to your parent in heaven. That's it. Okay. Um, someone, uh, paragraph six, someone who is sick, which means in bed, what do you do? The answer is, you know, you try to get up on your side so you're not lying flat. And all you really need to do is have kivun da'at, direct, to direct your attention. So um, there's a recognition that some people um, can't, there is, quote unquote, a correct direction, ideal direction to face. Some people can't do that. We also have other circumstances. You're, you're among Gentiles. You're on a wagon. You're on a donkey. Uh, you can't stop. Um, you're facing in the wrong direction. The answer for all those is you do your best to have your kavanah and direct your thoughts to your parent in heaven. Okay? Um, and paragraph nine, if you have to pray sitting, you're trapped on a plane, you simply can't get up to say the Amidah, you say the Amidah at the correct time seated, then you can get up later on. Do I have to repeat the Amidah the quote-unquote correct way standing? No. Okay? You said your Amidah as best you could, directing your intent as best as you possibly could, and that's it. It's over. Mm -hmm. You do not need to repeat the Amidah because you're standing now. Chapter 95. You stand with your feet next to each other, right? At, At attention, as it were. As if it is one foot, to uh, this way you are like the angels. We read in in Ezekiel that the angels had legs, Ezekiel chapter one, uh, that the the angels had legs that didn't bend. They were kind of, I don't know, almost like animal legs, but straight. So, their feet are somehow straight and together. So we stand in imitation of the angels. We're, again, metaphorically in our imagination, approaching God in God's court. So we are like the angels. So we have our posture to be like the angels. Um, paragraph two, Tzarich Sheyikof Rosho Ma'at, Shiyuenav You should bow your head a little so that you are looking down towards the ground. And imagine yourself standing in the Beit Hamikdash, but you should have your intent on the heavens above. Now, we might say, I'm going to guess in our aesthetic today, we might say, no, I think I would feel more holy davening if I looked up. Um, And this posture that the Shulchan Aruch talks about is meant to be a posture of reverence. Okay, so the respect is the, the mark of respect is you look slightly down. You can look at me. It doesn't mean that you go like this with your head. It doesn't mean you bow at 90 degrees. It just means you're a little bit down and looking downwards. Now, um, you're looking at a sidur, of course. So I think the Shulchan Aruch is imagining a time when people don't have sidurim. They don't have printed books, right? What are you supposed to do during the Amidah? Are you supposed to close your eyes? Where are you supposed to look if you don't have a book to look at? So the suggestion seems to be eyes open, right? But with your head tilted slightly down so that you're actually looking down, which then interestingly is also not making eye contact with other people, right? Which I imagine would be distracting. 
and the posture of your hands, which none of us does. But if you look in yeshivish settings, there are people who do this. Paragraph three, meniach yadav alibo kifutin. Uh, there's no translation here. It's you put your, um, your um, hands together over your heart, the right one over the left one, and you stand like a servant, uh, reverent in front of your master. And you don't put your hands on your hips, which is seen to be an insolent position, right? If you were going to meet the president of the United States, you would not stand there with your hands on your hips when you were in the Oval Office, right? You would stand in some reverential posture. And this is the def- Shulchan Aruch's defini- definition of a reverential posture. Last one, paragraph four. Tov lechavein raglav gam omer kedusha im shatz. It is also good or proper to have your feet together when you're siding with the Kedusha, with the Chazan, right? So this is the origin. I I don't want to say it's the origin because it comes from rabbinic sources before the Shulchan Aruch. This is the codification in the Shulchan Aruch of the way the rabbis always have taught us, your rabbis and shul, how to say the Amidah. You stand with your feet together during during the Amidah. During the repetition, you don't have to stand with your feet together, but you stand with your feet together during Kedusha, which means if you are walking around during Kedusha, you stop walking. You put your feet together through all of Kedusha. By the way, there are different sources about when that ends. Some sources say all the way to Baruch HaTashem HaEl HaKadosh. There are other sources that say that after Yimloch, you can walk around. I was once in a very Orthodox shul in Israel, and I was shocked that after, right after Yimloch, while the Chazan is saying in the repetition, everyone starts walking around like it's a market, like at market speed um, in the back of shul, right? So there are different minhagim about when the feet together during the Kedusha ends. Um, there's some people who will stand with their feet together. This is a very firm custom. Through the first part of the Chazan's repetition of the Amidah, they'll stay in place, feet together through the Kedusha, and then they will relax their um, feet. What this also means, by the way, and this is about synagogue decorum, is what happens if you arrive in shul, you're just outside the door, and the Kahal is getting up to the Kedusha. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to take one step inside the door of the shul room and put your feet together and stop, right? So that you, you join for Kedusha, but you, um, but you are standing in Kedusha um, mode. Um, by the way, I didn't, ha- I didn't get to this. I want to find it. Um, uh, it basically says um, you're not, when someone else is saying the Amida, I can't find it. I'll try to find it for next week. Oh, here it is. Sorry. Uh, 102. Chapter 102. It is forbidden to sit down within four cubits, which is six feet in any direction, of someone who is davening, which means the person next to you is still saying the Amidah. What are you supposed to do? Remain standing. Remain standing. Why do you think that is, Michael Harris, since you answered the toss-up question, you answered the bonus question also? I would say to not distract the person who's still davening. Correct. So the other person is saying the Amida. So not only everyone, listen up, please. Are you not supposed to talk while other people are saying their Amida because you're disturbing to them? If they are within six feet of you, you do not sit down, you remain standing, Right. 
And imagine what it feels like in our, we don't, we tend not to observe this in like regular conservative shuls on Shabbos morning. And just imagine what it feels like to be the last two or three people who are standing in a giant full main sanctuary. May we all go back to that someday, amen, at the end of the play. And you know that everyone else is sitting down. Imagine how distracting it feels to that person who is trying to have their audience before God. So the ethos is we give everyone who's davening, by the way, you don't have to wait for the repetition of the Amida until everyone is done, just so you know, okay? Um, it doesn't say that anywhere. Um, it can be considered a tircha de tzibura or a burden on the tzibur, on the community, to have to wait for everyone is, who finishes. There's some people who are unusually slow, okay? And if there's one person who has like super kavana or just learned Hebrew and they want to say every word and they're going super slowly, you don't have to wait for them before you go on to the chazarat hashats, okay? But this thing of when you're done with the Amida, sit down, the Shulchan Aruch says, don't do that. Um, there are some sources that say if you're behind them and they can't see you, that's okay. You can sit down. It's only if you are visible to them. Okay. Um, okay. If you're weak, paragraph two, you're ill, you're weak, you don't have the energy to stand, you're not able to stand, then it is okay to sit down. Okay. Um, paragraph four. And if people are davening, you can't walk in front of them within their six feet. Okay. Again, so, um, so this is about kind of um, respect for others, right? It's not just about me having my meditative moment audience before Hashem. Um, it's everyone else is doing the same thing too. And so anything that I might do, which will distract their kavana, talking, walking, rustling, okay? And we all know that when you're saying the Amida and you're focusing, someone moves around you, 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 you notice <clears throat> it, you see them, you are distracted. So the onus is on everyone to be respectful of everyone else during saying the Amida. How do you know when people have finished saying the Amidah, right? Like, how do you know when it's time to go on to Chazarat Hashatz if people don't sit down? The answer is, you look around and you can usually tell who's still davening and who isn't, right? I mean, I mean, anyone who goes to shul is a regular shul goer. You, I can't say with 100% accuracy, but usually you can tell who are the people who someone is playing piano in the background, maybe mute yourself, please. Um, so usually you can tell when people have finished davening and when people have not finished davening, right? So you don't, if you're an alert, thoughtful person or chazan or gabai, you don't need the cue of people sitting down to let you know when people have finished the Amidah. You look around and you can tell if the vast majority, the majority of people have finished davening. Don't people, when they finish their own recitation, also do the, the, steps back and forward to do a Yeah, but maybe I didn't, but maybe I didn't notice them do that. Okay. Right. So I, right. But you know, that, I, would, be, I that would be another cue. Right. But I'm not watching everyone to see when they take steps, but usually people's posture is relaxed. They're not looking at the book anymore. They, you know, whatever. So, you know, gobbies who look around the room can tell when the significant majority of people have finished davening and it's time to move forward and say, Baruch to the Chazan. 
These days you can tell by who's fiddling with their phone. There you go. Right. So, so the mo- one of the most important functions of a gabai, baruch, right, to cue the chazan that it's time for chazarat hashatz. Okay. Avi, they could, they could have said, be as respectful as you are in golf and bowling. They could have said that. Right. But it makes it very explicit. It's 8.59. We got to stop. Chodesh Tov to all. And maybe we'll, we'll pull together a few of these things of the Amidah conceptually. We're not going to look at the Halakha anymore, but next time when we meet in two weeks, again, because we're not meeting next week, we will pull these things together conceptually. Um, I think we'll have one final session talking about the first paragraph of the Amidah, pulling it all together. And then we'll, after that, we'll move forward. Everyone have a great day, meaningful uh, Yom Hazikaron and a uh, tonight and tomorrow and then a joyous Yom Ha'atzma'ut. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.